who were a little bit unsure whether to give any more teachings this evening. Uh, been quite a lot of talking today, and you might, some of you at least, may, may feel quite full with words <coughs> and ideas and, um, and the sharing and the thing. Um, so, we'll try and walk a line between not talking too much, too long, and uh, on the other hand, talking enough to at least do a little justice to uh, themes I want to cover. Um, so hopefully that little way is a compromise. Um, <clears throat> so I'm going to talk about four more nodes in, in a minute, and just a few things, general things before that. And, and uh, given what I've just said, you'll quickly see that some of the nodes, as we go through this list, it, it's all really quick, actually, where, like I say, we're giving a high-speed bus tour through them. Um, but some of them we will we linger on longer. For instance, today with eternality, humility, reverence, and grace, we spent time exploring that for ourselves and sharing, etc., in the uh, exercise. And some we'll just kind of touch on to uh, point to them and some get a fuller discussion. Uh, okay, before I get to the nose, let me start with some general things. First thing is actually an announcement um, that every day from now on, um, on this retreat, then, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I wish I wish I would have the, the power to do this. Are you really? uh, yes. <laughs> uh, wait, wait to hear what I'm going to say. Um, uh, the lounge will be a designated um, space and time from that, that period after the morning session in the hall, after the morning teaching in the hall. Oh, so 10.45, 10.50 until... 11.30. Um, is a designated space for um, silent, free soul-making movement, or soul-making free movement. Um, what does that mean? Well, find out what it means. Um, <laughs> it's uh, create, discover what it means. The question I would, keep, I would, is, I would put to you is, is the question I put when, when I talked about movement the other day. It's like, what, well, what does it mean? What, what, what is it for, for this movement uh, that I'm doing right now, or this stillness, or this gesture, or this posture, what is it for that to become soul-making? What does that feel like? What does it look like in this moment? What, what, what uh, supports that to be soulful? So it's, it's open-ended, and it's in, an investigation. It's free, and it's, and it's silent. Um, and so, I mean, you can walk or stand in that period as well, but that during that period, every day, that will be a designated <coughs> space to explore that. Uh -huh. Oh, um, I'm I'm inclined to say sounding's okay, actually. Uh, not 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 talking, unless you're talking in tongues. <laughs> um, uh, maybe not talking to each other with with words, but if if it feels like some sounding is you know and you feel okay with people around and whatever, so it's kind of, how does that sound? I think so. I think it's okay. Yeah, the thought I had was that you if you go in there that's your practice. Yeah. You're not going in there for, um, it, 
Regarding, watching, watching. Yeah, so this is, it's, it's really, it's the, the soul making. <coughs> That's the thing. Is this soul making? It's, it's an ongoing, ongoing exploration. What is it that supports or ignites or, or um, nourishes soul making? Generally speaking, and in this moment, and, and intention has, has, part, has a lot to do with that as well. Okay? Uh, okay. Some general things, I just, um, if it's not clear, and uh, perhaps we didn't restress it or emphasize it uh, at the beginning of this retreat, which we did on other retreats, so, um, but it's worth saying again, um, sensing the soul is mm-hmm. not something that's going to be happening all the time. It's not a, 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 and even a possibility of a constancy of experience there. Okay. This is, uh, partly related to one of the notes Catherine talked about this, uh, this morning, grace. It's something is given to us, or to, from a certain perspective, something is given to us when we're sensing the soul. There's this inexplicable, unexplained uh, gift. And so it comes and goes. It might not be very dramatic, but in some ways we could say just relative to conventional perception, it's, uh, it's something extraordinary to a certain extent. If it was all the time, it would quickly become ordinary. And it, A, it doesn't work that way, and B, it, uh, we wouldn't want it to become ordinary. Um, so, so you're not really, we're not really trying to kind of, um, hang on to some particular experience all the time. Uh, it comes and goes. Part of it is, is gift. That's part of the very sensibility of it. That's why we gave that grace as, as, as a note. Um, but what that also means, practically speaking, is that in the day, there's a kind of, uh, wide palette of practices you can move between. And you can be quite fluid and quite responsive with that. So to try and do imaginal practice all day, I, I think would be too much. It's not, it, it, it would somehow imbalance the being. So you want some of that, and then when is it time to kind of go more into, you know, relative unfabricating, calming, simplifying, gathering, the nurturing energy in the energy body, or just being with one's emotions in, in a kind of healing way? or metta, or emptiness, or the working with desire, as we've talked to some of you will know we've uh, worked with on other retreats. So there's a, there's a, a, possi- a necessity to move between different practices, and the possibility of, again, this kind of skillful, responsive, sensitive um, navigation to when and which. You understand? Um, before I get onto the four notes uh, I wanted to talk about this evening, just briefly. Um, again, if it's not obvious, there there is um, something about the relationship between these nodes, between these elements and aspects. So there's not a linear relationship there. It's not like first this one, and then you get that one, and then we could say there's a sort of commonality of the ones that are maybe. Uh, Maybe more likely to to be noticed uh, uh, later or earlier. We could say that, but actually, there's no order, and it's not like in any practice. First, you do this, and then then you do that. I mean, we are we are emphasizing the energy body, but actually, any node, the ignition of any node, 
can can then ignite uh, any other node. The causality is every which way in this lattice. <coughs> yeah. um, and it, also in terms of the relationship between them, you know, uh, I've said this before, but again, it's worth saying. So some of these, you, you have caught this already, some, some of the uh, nodes are sort of implicit, or this node is really a, a shade of that node, or a reflection of it, or an aspect of that other node, or it's already implicit. In that node. So, what would an example be? Um, uh, so, for example, when we talked about dimensionality and uh, divinity and beyondness and unfathomability, these kind of they're sort of uh, concepts or senses that can dance around each other, weave into each other. For example, yeah. Other nodes have a kind of almost polar, uh, polarizing. They they move in opposite directions between a certain pair, or they're a bit contradictory or, or almost paradoxical. Um, so, uh, what would be an example of that? Um, well, actually, in a, in a way, you know, the node of grace that Catherine talked about this, this morning, and the very idea, implicit in the whole idea of the lattice, that you can kind of... Um, ignite a node, and then it becomes more imaginal. So there's this kind of, to me, important embrace of the receptive and the active, the technique and the mystery of grace. Do you understand? And so that that somehow seems really part of the art of this whole practice. It's neither always one or the other, and the balance between the two uh, can be very fluid and yeah. Okie dokie. So, um, <clears throat> so let's. I'm going to speak about these four, the next four nodes on, on our list, and um, just I'm going to endeavour to be brief. So, just kind of a few, a few points and suggestions and articulations. Um, the fifteenth one is the non-reducibility of what is sensed with soul. Um, so what does that mean? It means that we're in, in the imaginal constellation, there's um, a relationship with an image or with a, a, a sensing the soul, a, a sense with soul. There's a relationship with it that the concept... And the sense of it is is not reducing it. This only is this. It only means X or Y. So, for example, um, we can reduce things um, un- under the kind of rubric and the gaze of scientific materialism. I look at the tree or the rose or or the curtains or uh, and I just see flat, meaningless. Uh, the dance, random dance of flat, meaningless matter according to certain physical laws. Um, that's a kind of reductionism. Everything is made of little subatomic particles that move meaninglessly. Do you understand? And, and you say, now, we can view that way, but if we only view that way, that flattening, that reduction will take the sen- will, will flatten the sensing result. Does it? 
Um, that's one kind of reductionism. Another is a kind of, um, well, different kinds of psychological reductionism. So, for example, this image represents my empowerment, my power, my uh, my self empowerment in life, and and this will give me that. Or this image represents my uh, compassion, or some other brahmavihara, or some faculty of the mind, uh, or something like that. That's what this is. It's a represents in the, in that reductionist view, it's a representation, it is this, and implicit it's that it's only this. So it's okay that it that we view it as, yes, it's matter, we can understand matter in that sense, but not only. And it's okay that we could say, this is a representation of empowerment, but not only. And compassion, but not only. Do, do you understand? It's the only that's the, that's the killer, that's the flattener. Um, or, again, we can have an image and say, this image is arising um, because it's representing, it's representing something from my psychological history, something from my past, something from my family, etc. And yes, it may be related to that, but it's, it's, again, it's the only that is the, that is the, squeezes the soul out of it. Do you understand? It's only, I'm having this image because it's because and only because X or Y happened to me when I was a child, etc., and this is uh, representing it. In the, in, the, in, the, in the scope and complexity and richness of images and sensings of the soul, that can be part of it. Um, that can be part of what, uh, why that image is coming up, but, but only one level of it. Yeah. But only is reducing and that's what will kill the sensing soul. It will literally squash the dimensionality and, and, the, and the richness and the complexity and the unendingness and the mystery and, the, and all of that, the multifacetedness. So we touched briefly in the Q&A and, and also in, in, um, in a, one or two interviews. Uh, this image may be related to my past, may be related to some character in my family, my father, for instance, or whatever it is. The image kind of echoes that. It's not just a representation of my father and how he was tyrannical with me, or, or whatever it is. Um, and then there's this possibility. So, so a, a reductionist view would say the image is caused, or it's, re, it's caused by what happened to me in my life, and it's representing it now as a psychic image. And that's what it is. So the causality runs from so real material event in the past to image now in the present. You understand? The causality is, is conceived that way. Yeah? If it's only, that's where we, we lose the, the soulfulness. Um, there's another way of thinking that images are actually primary. I've touched on this on other retreats. Images are what drive. In some, uh, they drive our lives. You know, the image uh, that I've shared in the past, the image of, of uh, a solitary warrior soldier or the image of the lonely wanderer, the solitary wanderer, I can see that that has been generative in my life. It's like the image comes first, not so much first in time, but it's primary. It gives me my life. It shapes my life. It shapes my perception of things. Do, do, 
That's the, so that we can conceive the causality going that way. We can conceive the causality going that way instead. Or we can conceive it as coming from a whole other level, as I, as I mentioned briefly in the, in, in the Q&A. Soul, the mystery of soul, gives me, offers me, my images and the events of my life. It's, a, it's a, another level of poss- possible conception. Does this? Yeah. Um, but that's uh, reductionism will kill okay, in one way or another. Uh, related to this, that's the fifteenth. Uh, related to this is the sixteenth. Um, what we were calling autonomy. So again, it's like if I consider this image is a part of me, then it's not autonomous. It's just a part of me. Now, in certain psychological languages, I'm projecting this image, and maybe I project it onto a friend or a lover or whatever. I project my mom or dad or whatever. Um, uh, but then it doesn't. The image doesn't have autonomy. It's somehow part of me, which is which is projected as an image. Versus the image is both me and not me. It's something beyond me. It's something. Uh, it has its own personhood, like like a person that we know, a flesh and blood person that we know. So you, again, these nodes you can notice them, and one one of people reporting, it's like. After a while, you start to notice, oh, this image has its autonomy. It really feels like another being, if if we're talking about, you you understand? Or the tree that I am sensing the soul has its its kind of, its personhood, if you like. And and so that's another aspect of autonomy. Again, we could have separated and made another node of personhood, but let's say that. So that means, and this is related to Anna's question. (laughs) <laughs> in one of the Q&As. If, for instance, I'm regarding the sensing the body with soul, my body, then uh, it might be that the body, be- I begin to sense the body as having its own particular kinds of intelligence. Or this tree that I'm sensing with soul, it's part of its personhood. It has soul. It's not just my soul. It has soul. It has a certain kind of intelligence that's maybe very foreign to my kind of intelligence. Certain ways of knowing sensibilities, this tree. How does a tree know? What's the intelligence? What's the personhood of a tree? Or, or uh, as Anna would suggest, certain organs in the body. This, again, it's not to start believing this. This, this will emerge in, in the fertility of the, of the vortex of the movement of soul-making. This is, this is just... I could wait here and wait for people to report this unless the wall is in the way. I absolutely refuse to entertain such a ridiculous notion. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because my third grade high school science teacher said X or Y, whatever, you know, it's in the culture. But if the walls are not in the way, this is what emerges, this in, in, in the, in the fecundity of, from the soil of soul, this sense of things. Um, so there's the autonomy of the object, so-called, in, 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 in the sensing of soul of the image. But there's also, and Catherine alluded to this as well, there's also the autonomy of the self. Nothing's going to happen, nothing is going to be given to me by grace that makes soul-making happen 
by itself. Struck by lightning, transformed in an instant, didn't even have to do anything. Doesn't It takes my autonomy as a person, as Catherine said, to, to assent to it. No assent, no autonomy in the sense of I am free to assent or not to assent. To go along with, to open, to pay attention in certain ways, to entertain certain notions, or not, or not free to do that. Or rather, I am free to do that. Do you understand what I mean? I have my autonomy. No one make, no one, there's no automatic soul making and no one can make me agree. No image can make me agree to it. So there's this double autonomy of, so to speak, the self and the object. Without which there is no soul making. Or very limited soul making. Does this, does that explain? Yeah? Um, Even if I become an image, so sometimes, the, as I think Hannah said uh, in, in the Q&A, you know, sometimes it's more common for a person or different images at different times for the same person, um, they don't appear so much as an object, as much as one becomes that image. But still, there's the autonomy of the, let's call it the um, more regular notion of self, to assent to that opening. You understand? Yeah. So uh, the autonomy of other and self in, in the sense of self. Uh, okay, that's number sixteen. Uh, number seventeen, we called it tunus. And um, so, if I if I have uh, an image that's sort of it has an otherness to it, then we said what we said was. That in that case, the eros doesn't collapse the image into some kind of universal, it doesn't melt. So there's an attractive pull with eros between uh, oneself and the erotic imaginal object, uh, beloved other. But it doesn't just go into some kind of, just go into some kind of melting union bliss of, uh, of, you know, white light, unification, etc. The, the, the distinctness, maybe that's a better word than tunus, distinctness or differentiation is preserved. The er- erotic tension is preserved. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, even if I'm becoming an image, again, maybe tunus is not, is not the most obvious thing there at first, as we responded to Hannah in the Q&A, but, but still, differentiation is 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 preserved. Distinctness of particulars are preserved in in the soul making, uh, as it in the soul making perception, or rather in the um, in the sensing of the soul. Is that yeah? It's not going to this undifferentiated kinds of oneness. Um, would that be kind of say with an image and then the world in which it exists? That might be part of it, yeah. So that's that could be one way where there's the differentiation. There's the image, <coughs> and then the world, and there's the and then if you stay with it, there'll be the particulars of the image and the particulars of the world, you know. Um, but yeah, it, there, there can be all kinds of differentiations, basically. Yeah, rather than and you know, and at the same level as there's this differentiation, there can be and there often is uh, an implicit sense or understanding of the oneness. So it's like there's the image in the world, but in a way, this world is that image, and they're kind of the same thing. It's just that it doesn't 
collapse into that or melt into that. Yeah. Can there, can there be an image um, that is separate, but then one becomes it? Yeah. And then it goes back again, but like just. Yes, absolutely. So the modes of relating to an image, um, it, you might feel like it's it's separate, as you say, and then somehow I become it, or I fuse with it, um, or I enter it somehow, or it enters me, and I'm I'm seeing the world and everything from its experience, and then it can separate again. So there's there's all kinds of possibilities, and that that's actually quite normal. And some of you may want to, if you if it's always one way, you may want to de- deliberately experiment with actually what would it be like to be that monster or or aslan or, or whatever it is you know what would it be like from the inside so to speak you know and then see what happens and where that goes okay um last one for tonight is the 18th is um so tunus or differentiation or retention of particularities is the 17th and then the 18th is what we were calling the theater the sense of theater or the imaginal middle way so, um, we have a sense, and again, I think it's something we can notice with images, with imaginal images. Sometimes if someone's working with an image, and, and it's really alive for them, and if you ask them, is, is it real? Would you say it's real or not real? Or does that question, does that, those categories and that kind of not really apply? They'll probably plump for that third category. It's somewhere between real and not real. It's a different kind of reality, but neither real nor not real seems, seems, uh, accurate. Um, so this is something we can actually notice. Uh, if you, if you linger with them, you notice this quality of theatre to it. Sometimes Catherine and I, we're, we're sort of maybe doing, doing, exploring something together with an image or something and, and, um, kind of differentiating when the kind of practice or inquiry becomes, um, more of, uh, say, what Catherine's very familiar with, the Ridwan school or diamond approach. And that's one of the differences is, is the sense of theatre, the sense of neither real nor not real. It's very particular, and to me it's a very, it's a very beautiful quality, a very liberating quality, and very potent. Um, so, one name could be the imaginal middle way, it's the middle way between real and not real, or, or this sense of theatre. If you think about theatre, I don't know if, if you've been to like a, a really, really good theatre, when it's a small theatre, and you sit there, and the actors are like as far from, uh, as if I'm in the audience, they're as far from me as you guys are now. So you're, it's really intimate. And you know it's it's play. Literally, it's a play. It's, it's not real in the conventional sense. And it can be so um, vulnerable and powerful and transforming. So there's the same, something of that in, in the imaginal realm. It's this theater quality. Yeah? Um, and so, again, it's like, what is it to recognize artistic truth or poetic truth? It's a different kind of truth and it has, it has immense power, immense power, but it's different than, uh, there's something particular about it. So today in the Q&A and a couple of people have asked me, 
Well, do I need to do all this emptiness stuff that you're talking about with this? Just go really fabricate less, 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 and then you get the unfabricated, and then you see that's empty, and and it sounds like, boy, I'm I'm a long way from that. Um, it's an open question. I don't think it's necessary. Uh, I think some people, many people, have either either they do that, and then they're kind of have a easy access to a kind of middle way perception of things between real and not real because of the emptiness understanding, or one just <coughs> engages one's artistic artistic kind of sensibility. Do you understand one's poetic understanding of things, or Again, what I said earlier, we just notice, you just notice this, this kind of middle way status of images, this kind of theatre quality that they have. Um, does it make sense? So, just pick up on one of the nodes from today, um, the eternality. You know, is, it, is that real or unreal? This image, I mean, the most obvious thing about images is that, is that they come and go, as I said earlier, and the sensing of the soul comes and goes. Um, so, from one perspective, its impermanence is completely obvious. The passage of time and the change in time is completely obvious. And at the same time, there's this sense of timelessness, or different senses, different possibilities of the sense of timelessness. This is... This is somehow always already happening. This is somehow iconic and not narrative. It's just a it's just a kind of eternal image somewhere in the vastness of psyche. So one can be sensitive to that quality of timelessness and eternality, however it manifests, and at the same time never lose sight of the fact that things are impermanent. Bodies are impermanent, lives are impermanent, everything is impermanent. And images certainly are impermanent. So there's this, just because one sees the two, one can kind of hold them together, and that creates this kind of neither landing in one camp or the other as a kind of ultimate <coughs> truth. <coughs> yeah? Um, but as I said, I think, I mean, all, all, all the nodes, it, there's, there's so much um, kind of depth and richness to each one and and potency as well and and kind of liberative efficacy like going into some of these nodes like for instance this theater it liberates something it really liberates something um and and still has that power the power of, of poetry the power of art the power of theater the power of the middle way I think I'm going to stop there for this evening. Um, shall we sit? Yeah.